This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 316 with Abby Ashley. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 316. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Abby Ashley is the founder of The Virtual Savvy. She helps aspiring virtual assistants launch and grow their at-home businesses from scratch. Abby started her own virtual assistant business in 2013 and was able to double the salary from her full-time corporate job, working only 20 hours a week in just 30 days. She's since gone on to grow a multi-six-figure business and retire her husband, and run all of her business from home. It's her passion to help others start their virtual assistant businesses so that they can taste the freedom and the flexibility of entrepreneurship as well. I specifically asked Abby to come on the show because I know that there's a number of you who are curious about work from home kinds of jobs and how you could be in these support roles that have a lot of flexibility, but that allow you to work from home, be on your kid's schedule, and still do something productive and have impact in the world and support other businesses and other missions. So I think this will be really eye-opening for you to see what is possible. So listen in to hear Abby share how she started her virtual assistant business and replaced her full-time income while on maternity leave. That's no small feat, but it is totally doable. 
what kinds of work moms can do from home as a virtual assistant, how to get started as a VA, it's easier than you think, the pros and cons of working for a VA company versus starting your own business, and how she has gotten over the mom guilt in order to embrace being a high achieving entrepreneur. This was probably my favorite part of the conversation because I relate as being a high achiever entrepreneur and that mom guilt, I'm telling you, I feel like the older your kids get, the more real it gets. So I appreciated her perspective on this for sure. So with all that said, I'm so excited, delighted and honored to be able to introduce you to Abby Ashley. Abby Ashley, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. This is going to be fun. I'm just going to give our listeners a little sneak peek behind the scenes because in our pre-interview conversation, you referenced a little piece of information about that someone manages your inbox. And immediately I was like, wait a minute, what? (laughs) Someone manages your inbox? So we're going to have to talk about that because I'm already now seeing that this is going to be a very valuable conversation. And (laughs) everyone listening now is like, wait, what? How can we get someone to manage our inbox? So this is going to be a lot of fun. Yes, it'll be good. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So I want you to tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Oh my goodness. So this past year has been super crazy beyond building this huge business. I retired my husband this year. We bought a house. We moved to Missouri, which is we lived in Washington, D.C., Oklahoma, and then to Missouri last year. So it's just been crazy. So I am looking forward to just some like stability (laughs) and like, you know, starting to actually work on some personal things instead of just always like playing catch up all the time. So I'm very excited for that. Nice. Nice. Congratulations on retiring your husband. For people who don't know, can you just explain a little bit more about what you mean by that? Yeah. So my husband was working full time and this past year, my business really just made the shift where we decided that, you know, it would be more beneficial for him to be at home. And, you know, he's actually outside right now. I can see him outside my window doing yard work. (laughs) So sometimes we were like, the other day he was filling out like what his occupation was. He's like, what's my occupation? And I'm like, can you put pool boy? (laughs) (laughs) No, he's mostly doing volunteer work at our church, which is, you know, really what his passion is. And it was just so exciting for me this past year to be able to be like, you know, quit this job that you don't love. We're good financially. And you go on and really do what you want to do, whether or not it really pays the bills or not. So that was really awesome for us. So great. That's such a big milestone. And we should point out that you told me you have a three-year-old and a five-year-old in daycare today. So you retired your husband, but it's not like he didn't retire into full-time stay-at-home dad role. No, I don't think he'd do so great at that. (laughs) Which I think is so great because we often assume that if someone's going to quote unquote stay home, that like their automatic role is childcare and that doesn't have to be the case. And I love that that's not the case in this situation that like what fills his soul, even though I'm sure he's an amazing dad, but what fills his soul is like to go volunteer at church. (laughs) And that's awesome. Definitely. I mean, 
that's definitely mm-hmm. what he wants to be doing for work. And this is what I want to be doing for work. Nice. And as far as our family goes, yes, of course we love our family. And we've done everything as far as the gamut of like, I've been a stay at home mom. And then we had someone come in like a couple days a week. And then we did part-time daycare. And now I've done all of them. Mm-hmm. And I really feel that people just need to do what's right for them totally. and for their situation. And a lot of times that's seasonal. Sometimes yes. you might have a season where this is what's right. And then a different season where what's right. Right. And right now, my three and five year old, they love the daycare they're at. We love that we have a flexible schedule. So, you know, if my husband wants to go have lunch with them, he can. Or if we want to take off Friday and go to amusement park or take a two week vacation, we can do that right now. I'm not looking forward to my kid being in like real school. (laughs) I can't just take a two week vacation in May. But right. That is a struggle. We have been facing that this year where I'm like, wait a minute, like, do we have to ask for permission if we pull him out of school? Or like, I can't take him to swimming lessons like at 11am anymore. There's like all these weird things that I didn't think about. So yeah, I totally get it. I think I prepared for that. <laughs> I know, I know. I went into the vice principal at mini school the other day. We booked like two trips this year that are like in the middle of the school year. Are there rules around that? Like, I was like, oh my gosh, what if he can't go from kindergarten to first grade? Like, he's going to flunk kindergarten because I just randomly booked travel without even considering that there might be rules around it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be the mom that like pushes the limits. Like we are not going for that 100% attendance. Right, right. No, the teacher, I will, the principal, I will say, he was like, no, like, so we're going to Portugal for part of it. He was like, that's an amazing cultural experience that we would only have like stipulations if, you know, there was a child who was like just randomly missing, like, you know, every other Wednesday or, you know, just routinely sick for many days on end and things like that. So I think they're willing to be flexible. Okay. I want to dive into your journey into motherhood and talk about how your journey into motherhood changed and shifted your professional goals and ambitions. I mean, you've kind of already started to talk about how things have shifted and like things can happen in seasons and shift over time. So can you dive into all that for us? Yes, definitely. So my husband and I got married in 2012 and our daughter was due on our one year anniversary. So oh my gosh. Surprise! Definitely not planned, but very, very, you know, happy. So, you know, I was at a job that honestly I hated. I had gotten everything that I could have out of that position and I just knew I was done. And I think that getting pregnant was a really big wake up call for me that like I need to do something different because I refuse to, you know, send my kid to daycare to go to a job that I hate. You know, like I said, there's nothing wrong with daycare. My kids go to daycare now. But I was like, I just can't do that. And I really wanted to be a stay at home mom. And so, you know, I started looking for work from home opportunities somewhere, you know, midway along in my pregnancy. And when I was about eight months pregnant, which is probably the worst time <laughs> ever to start a business. Oh my gosh. I, someone mentioned virtual assistants and I looked into what it was. I had literally never even heard of what a virtual assistant was. And I researched and I thought this is exactly what I want to do. So I dove right in the very next day. I started calling myself a virtual assistant and working on getting clients. And so that's really, I mean, I think it was the driving force. So it took me, so I had a three month maternity leave, but over, you know, those couple of months before I had my daughter and those few months afterwards, I actually got to the point where I was able to replace my income with clients and not have to go back to work. So that was pretty awesome. 
Amazing. Amazing. So I love that you say that you wanted to be really conscientious about if you were going to be working and sacrificing time with your kids, like what that wanted to look like. And I think that's really, really common that once we have kids, we have a different sense around like what we're willing to spend our time and energy on. And professionally, because you spend so many hours at work, it has to matter or count or serve a really specific purpose. So I definitely know there's people who stay in jobs that they don't love, but they pay the bills and the benefits are great. And that feels like a reasonable trade-off. I think that, you know, everyone makes decisions around that that are very personal to them and like no judgment on anyone. But I think there's a thought process for most people. And I think a lot of us don't anticipate that thought process before having kids. We don't think about like, oh, I'm actually going to care so much about like how I spend my time and energy and like, is it worth it to me? And is this the trajectory I want to be on? This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, it's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. 100%. Yeah, I think it's interesting and unexpected evolution. <laughs> yes, so you sure. replaced your full-time income while on maternity leave. So talk us through that journey. Yes. So again, I started this virtual assistant <clears throat> business and just... You know, I don't even know if I knew that that 
was my goal was to replace my income. I just knew, you know, I'm one of those people. I think I've always been entrepreneurial. So if I get an idea in my head, I'm just doing it the next day. Like not even a consideration. Oh, you know, I'm super pregnant. Maybe I shouldn't do this. It was just like, (laughs) hey, let's do it. Let's go for it. That's always, I'm, you know, zero to a hundred like that. And so, you know, I made up a little website and I basically offered, you know, the services that I knew how to do, which really wasn't a lot. I mean, as far as just my services went, I offered, you know, data entry, answering customer service emails, kind of the email management, like we Mm. talked about, you know, those are my services. And for me, I was living in the Washington DC area. So there were so many awesome networking events. So I just pulled up with my maternity jeans and my big old old belly and my business cards and started networking and just telling people about the services that I offered to small business owners. And it was just amazing when I walked into a place with a bunch of small business owners and I say, I'm a virtual assistant, you know, I just help with admin tasks for small business owners, the people just flocked to me and just said, Oh, I need that. I need that. Or I know someone who needs that. Let me grab a few of your cards. So it really happened very, you know, organically and very quickly. Oh, I love it. You also were showing up in places where you knew people would need you. That takes guts. That's not a small thing. Like, let's acknowledge that. Because I think that's where people hung up in a lot of situations is they're like, Oh, I want to build this business. But like, I'm afraid to post about it on Facebook because my friends might judge me and I don't want to go to a networking meeting because that's just not my thing. And like, at some point you have to get out of your comfort zone and be like, Hey people, you need me. Here's why. Like, let me save you. And I think one of the reasons why I love virtual assistants is because I feel like it is so easy to tell friends and family without making them feel like they need to buy anything Mm -hmm. from you. I mean, Mm -hmm. most of your friends and family aren't going to be your ideal clients. They're not small business owners, but you know, everyone knows one small business owner, you know, every person listening, you probably in your head, you're like, Oh yeah, I know one small business owner. Mm -hmm. And so just like, you know, one small business owner, pretty much everyone around you knows one small business owner. So it's not so much a, you know, Hey, will you buy my lip gloss or my candles or whatever? You know, a lot of the things that nothing wrong with, you know, those types of businesses. But for me, I never loved just trying to get my friends to buy things from me, but to tell my friends about something exciting in my life and for them to go, Oh, I have a friend who's a photographer that I think, you know, she was complaining about how many emails she gets. I'll pass along your card. Like it just seems so much more natural to me and not like I was asking for something that huge. And so that's what I did is I told friends and family, you know, I just let them know, Hey, here's what I'm doing. People can't invest in your business, can't invest in you if they don't know what you're doing. So you do have to get out there in a sense, but it doesn't have to be this like sleazy selling thing that I think people think of. And I think it's pretty universal that everyone hates their inbox. So basically you could be like, if you have a friend who has a business, I promise you they hate their inbox and I'd be more than happy to help them with that. It's true. (laughs) I think it's a universal law. Tell us what working at home as a VA looks like for you and how has this evolved over time? Like, and maybe you can talk about, so your kids are three and five right now. I'm sure it's looked different for you at different times. And I know, you know, the other virtual assistants that you've worked with, how does it look like, you know, when you have a baby versus when your kids are school age? hundred percent. Yeah. You know, I currently have a Facebook group with 26,000 people in it. Whoa. Most of them are virtual assistants. Okay. That's what I was going to ask. 
<laughs> so, or it could be people, you know, trying to hire a virtual assistant, but it's mostly people that are either current virtual assistants or looking to become virtual assistants. And really the family dynamic runs the gamut. We have a ton of, you know, 20 year old digital nomads with no family, no roots. They're just traveling the world, running their business, which is super cool. Um, yeah. But not the seasonal life I'm in anymore. So, you know, we have moms of younger kids, people who are pregnant looking for a change. We have those with elementary, maybe those whose kids have, you know, gone out of the house and now they're empty nesters and looking for something different or wanting to be able to travel to another state to visit their grandkids. I mean, we have really, really the gamut of different type of people. So I think that it is different in every situation. When I first started, you know, I had this tiny baby. Now, I was so blessed. Let me tell you, my daughter was so well behaved. We literally like, she just slept all the time. I had to like wake her up to feed her. Like oh my she gosh. was the calmest, <laughs> most perfect little baby. I, I would not have people, wanted to talk to you if we had babies. <laughs> that was not my experience. <laughs> I always tell people that if I would have started my business with my second child, <laughs> there's no way it would have taken off. Totally different. Completely opposite, just screaming all the time, acid reflux. It was terrible. So, you know, I think that in that season, again, I had extra time. I'm always a doer and I was just kind of bored. I was sitting there and I'm like, my baby's so cute, but she's sleeping and I'm not just going to hold her for like eight hours. So I guess I'll work on my computer, you know? So that was that. And then obviously as she got a little older, that's when I started realizing and, you know, my client base was fairly full. I probably had about 20 hours a week worth of client work is what I needed to replace my full-time income. And so, you know, that's a part-time job. And so obviously I had nap times or I could wake up early, but you know, life. And so I started realizing that I needed somebody to come into the house, you know, two days a week, or I would ask my husband, Hey, can I just get away and do a coffee night? You know, like just go to a coffee shop and just work for the night while he would watch the kids. And so I did that for a while. And then we transitioned once I actually launched an online course to teach other people how to become virtual assistants. That's when things really took off to the point where I decided I wanted this to be my full-time business. Also, I didn't really mention this, but my husband had a job loss last year. He got fired. So it kind of got to the point where it was like, this has to become my full-time business. And so that's where we kind of switched to my kids going to daycare full-time. Now I'm working 40 hours a week again. So it's been a slow transition, but I can definitely relate to pretty much every stage of the journey. And I think you just have to figure out what works for you in the stage of life you're in. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And recognize that that's going to look different at different times. I think that for me, so much of motherhood, I thought like every phase was going to last forever. (laughs) And and that was like with my work stuff too. I really loved my work. I loved working. And when my son was really little and needed me constantly and did not sit and sleep quietly in a swing ever, (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, like this is my life for 18 years. And it took me a few months and I was like, okay, actually it's not. (laughs) And actually things, everything's a phase. And so then, yeah, there can be this evolution for sure. You know, I have to watch myself sometimes, even now, like, I mean, my kids go to daycare full time. And I think because... I love my business so much and I just want to do it all the time. Like it's still like family work balance is still Mm, kind of hard for me because like when my kids come home, like I'm like, no, I am all mom and I want to be a hundred percent here. So, 
you know, I have an office now and I just close the door and I don't go back in when my kids are home. And that's the boundaries I've had to have now. But I find myself even sometimes still being like, I'll see these people who, you know, don't have kids or, you know, I was in a coaching group. I was being coached by someone and literally I was the only person with kids. Everybody else was like single in their twenties and we're all growing our businesses. And And they all were working like 18 hours a day and you were jealous, right? (laughs) I found myself being so jealous of them. I totally relate to that. (laughs) Yes. And I'm like, but, and I felt terrible saying it because I'm like, don't get me wrong. Like I love my family. I love my kid. Like I don't want that life again. I've had that seasonal life and I'm happy where I am, but I did. I found myself becoming jealous. And it was really interesting because my coach had to like, you know, well, video sit down with me one day and she's like, Abby, you don't realize she said you have less time than any other person in this coaching program, but you are the most productive. She said, I think because you have a limited amount of time, you know, when you sit down, you've got to get stuff done. She's like, I know the working styles of everybody else in this group and they'll sit down at their computer and they'll putz around for an hour and then get a snack and then maybe go, you know, have a leisurely lunch and then come back two hours later. And, you know, when you sit down, you know, you've got to get it done and your time limit is actually a strength, not a weakness. And it was just like, revolutionary for me. And it made me not that I wasn't already grateful for, you know, my family, but I think that it made me even more grateful for just this season of life and knowing that like, okay, it's good for me to have boundaries and it's good for me to have time restraints. Yeah. I was talking with someone and I'm trying to remember the context. I believe it was an interview that I did early on in the podcast, talking with a mom who worked part-time and I don't remember what the field was, but in some sort of corporate business. And she talked about how she worked part-time and she worked with a lot of men who worked full-time. She was one of the only part-time people there. And she said, like, I know that I'm only here for two and a half days a week and feel very compelled to like prove myself and get as much done as I can. And also not to have to work on the other two and a half days that I'm at home with my kids. And she's like, I get more done in that two and a half days than these dudes get done in a whole week because they show up on a Monday and they're like, we got five whole days to get from point A to point B. And she shows up and she's like, I have, you know, 20 hours or whatever. She just was so conscientious of time. And she's like, I outperform all of them in a fraction of the time. And it's mind boggling. And she's like, it's also really annoying because I watch them just waste so much time. Come on, people. Right, right. No, I think no, really I totally get that. And oh, more power to her because I think that's most of us, you know, we know how to get stuff done. Right. Totally, totally. Before I had my son, I loved to work like a solid 12 to 14 hour day. Like it sounds so geeky. But yeah, like once he was in childcare, I was like, these are the hours I got. What are we going to hammer out today? And so, and I will tell you, it changes. So for us, when he was in daycare, daycare was open way later than school is. And so now he does aftercare three days a week, but two days a week, he comes home at three o'clock. Oh my gosh. I mean, I feel like he comes home at like noon. I'm like, I have not even started my day yet. Like it was so into my future. (laughs) It feels so early. So, you know, and he doesn't really love going to extended care. And so I'm like, how am I going to talk him into doing five days a week of extended care next year? Because I want those two afternoons back. It's so hard. And I try to convince him to like, I put a desk in my office for him so we could like, quote unquote, work together. (laughs) It's not going that well. (laughs) Usually I'm like, why don't you go watch a show? (laughs) 
<laughs> yep. So there's like a massive like rejiggering of boundaries and time organization when that transition into school starts. So I mean, like we've already kind of clarified, like everything is a phase and you have to like kind of reassess at every phase and every stage and figure but, it out. But then, it, you know, you figure it out and it's fine. And you prioritize because that's what it's, it's, Yep. <laughs> you figure it out and then it changes and then you have to yeah. figure it out. Totally. Then, totally. By the time I have kindergarten figured out, it will be summer and that will be a whole new <laughs> thing to figure out. So I want you to tell us how moms can get started in VA positions. And I specifically am curious about this because I know in my private Facebook community, multiple moms have talked about like, I would love to either start my own business as a VA, I would love to work for someone else's company as a VA, like it's come up multiple times. So I think there's an increasing level of awareness that this is a really viable option for moms who want to work, but want some flexibility, want some like the benefit of working from home, those kinds of things. So how can moms get started in VA positions? And also what are the different kinds of roles that VAs fill? Because I'm sure there's a lot of things besides managing inboxes that are not even on our radar. Yes. So we'll talk about how to get started first. So what I suggest, so there are companies out there that will hire you to become a VA, which is totally an option for some. And for some people that may be what is maybe a more natural fit for you. So there are companies, I mean, if you just type in virtual assistant company, work as a virtual assistant, you'll find some of them. The downfall, so I'll go ahead and say that's not what I teach. The downfall to doing that is, one, you will get paid less. So a lot of the ways that a lot of these companies work is that, you know, they'll charge their client the going virtual assistant rate, which is you know about 20 to $30 an hour for general admin skills could go up from there if you have specialized skills. So they'll charge their clients that and then they'll in turn pay you Anywhere could be like seven, ten, twelve dollars an hour. Um, oh, even I did so not know that was the cut. <laughs> so normally that's how it goes. Which again, there's nothing wrong with that, but you do have to realize that you're usually still taxed as an independent contractor. So out of that, maybe ten dollars an hour. No, this is generally speaking. Some right. companies may do it differently. They may hire you on as an actual employee, but I know a lot of them will, you know, hire you and then you'll still have to save back 30% for taxes, things like that. So it's one of those things that you may be getting paid less. You might think, hey, but I don't have the benefit to it is it you don't have to go out and get clients. So if yeah. that part just absolutely terrifies you and you're like, you know, I just need a little bit of money so I can, you know, have something to do, that might be a really, really good route for you or to get some experience. Another thing that you do want to make sure of if you are considering one of these companies is to make sure that they don't make you sign any kind of a non-compete clause just because I've known people who have worked and ended up signing a non-compete. And after they ended working with that client, they couldn't go out and get their own clients for a full year. And so if you get the confidence to say, you know, like, I think I could do this on my own, you may have to quit and then wait a year, (laughs) you know, and again, that's not every company. Just make sure that if they have you sign anything that you really, really read it. That's my only kind of disclaimer there. Again, it may be a really good option because you can literally get hired and start working right away, not have to market. Now on the flip side, what I teach is how to start your own virtual assistant business. So you are starting an actual business, but it's just you as an independent contractor starting out. And you basically decide what services you want to offer. A lot of people will just take services off of, you know, the things that they've already done in their previous work experiences or volunteer experiences or school or whatever. You know, if you've worked as an admin before, you probably already know how to do 
data entry, answering customer service emails, things like that. Now, there are definitely higher level skills that you can continue to learn, like posting on social media for somebody, whether that's Facebook or Pinterest or Instagram. There's people who are full-time Pinterest managers now that just manage Pinterest accounts for other business owners. There's You know, if you can write email marketing newsletters, if you can run Facebook ads, I mean, there's a lot of different areas that you could eventually study and get into. Or if you already know one of those, then you already have a high level skill. There's no reason not to go after starting your own business. But and then you really start asking people. Honestly, I think that I definitely am more on the methodology of, you know, start I use the phrase, go set ready, like go and like start telling people about your business. Because if you wait and you're like, well, I have to have this perfect logo and a website and everything, you know, all my T's crossed and I's dotted, then you're never going to end up starting. (laughs) So if, you know, Jim down the street who owns a painting shop, whatever, <laughs> like, uh, what am I trying to, he's a painter and he needs somebody to help invoice clients. It's like, Ooh, I could use this. How do I get this started? And you yeah. say, I'll send you information on Monday. Well, you better believe over the weekend, you're going to figure out how to get the rest of it set up. Oh my up, gosh. Right? I have so. done so many things like that, where you have an opportunity to do something like, Hey, can you speak at this event on this topic or whatever? And you're like, yes, let me write a proposal for that really quickly and get it for you. And like in 24 hours, I mean, I've written like massive proposals where I'm like, I know I can fulfill this role, but I don't know how to get from point A to point B. But it's literally like you sit down and you hammer it out and then you're like, oh, okay, this is how I'm doing this. Really not that bad. And that's right. how I usually approach. And some people, if that's totally against your personality and that like makes you want to vomit listening to this, it's okay. You can, you know, list out your services, choose your pricing and your packages mm-hmm. and, you know, figure out how are you going to invoice clients? How are you going to, you know, get work from them? Are you going to meet with them once a week? Are you going to have a Skype or a video call? once a week for them to hand off tasks for you, you know, working through all the details is kind of what I teach. But that is the process. It's basically as simple as deciding what services you can offer, what price are you going to offer them as, and then just start telling people about it. Nice. I love it. And I think there's a huge shift that happens when you embrace whatever role you want to take on as part of your identity. And I had this happen years ago, I got asked to speak in an event and I at that time was not a speaker, but I was like, oh, I want to do this. I'm really, really excited about this opportunity. And I ended up hiring this life coach for a couple of sessions because I was like, I'm kind of worried about like how to craft my message for this talk and blah, blah, blah. So when we got together, I was like, well, you know, because I'm not really a speaker. And she's like, well, what do you mean? Because like at the time I was a gym owner, she's like, you get up and you teach boot camp classes like six days a week. And when you run transformation programs, you get in front of 60 of your gym members and you talk to them for an hour about how to change their lives in positive ways. And then you come to these networking events where you give 10 minute presentations on a regular basis. So she's like, I don't know why you think you're not a speaker. And I was like, oh, I guess I, so then she goes, when you leave here, you're going to go home and you're going to change your email signature. And instead of it saying Sarah Sutherland, personal trainer, it's going to say Sarah Sutherland, fitness professional and speaker. And I was like, I love it. I know. And I was like, but you can just do that. She's like, yeah. And then yeah. you get business cards and print them and they say the same thing. And then you just tell people I'm a speaker now. <laughs> like, like it's that simple. And I was like, I probably have to get like a certification, have a certain number of hours of experience. Like we make things so big in our heads mm-hmm. and it's really like, you can just say you do that. <laughs> it's really true. <laughs> it's really true. And you know, 
when it comes to clients, I actually had somebody post in my group today. They're like, oh my goodness, you know, I told some people about my business and this person wants to hire me, but like, how do I tell them that they're my first client? And I'm like, why do you have to tell them <laughs> you don't first client? Like, I mean, I'm definitely like, if someone asks you, am I your first client? Don't right. lie to them. But right. most often they're not going to do that. Like people are going to hire you for the skills for what you can offer them. Not necessarily because if you have a list of skills, you say I can do X, Y, Z, you're listing those things because you know how to do them because right. you have experience in them. So it doesn't matter if you haven't done them in this capacity. Right. You're presumably uh, like, listing them in high integrity. <laughs> exactly. You were a speaker. You just hadn't done it in that capacity. You just hadn't done it, you know, standing in front of a stage with, you know, hundreds of people or thousands of people. You just hadn't done that. Right. But it didn't make you the skill any less you had still done it. Right, right. I think it's the same with virtual assistants. You've done these things. It's just a matter of sticking a title on it. Right, right. What are some of the challenges that virtual assistants can find and moms specifically find working from home and how can those be approached and dealt with? Definitely. <laughs> challenges. So a couple of things, virtual assistants specific, I think that everybody always has the question, how do I get clients? I think that that's, you know, and we've talked about a lot of that already. I think the telling your friends and family, networking, most of the people that I find are struggling to get clients are the ones who aren't actually putting themselves out there at all. Like when I really dig in, I'm like, oh, well, send me, you know, like a proposal that you've sent to, we post job opportunities in my group all the time. And I'm like, send me, you know, one of the things you've sent to one of those job opportunities. They're like, oh, well, I haven't actually applied to any yet. I'm like, well, there's your problem. <laughs> So, you know, do that first and then we can talk about some changes that can be made. So I think client acquisition is always one of the big fears. I always, you know, that first client hump is usually the hardest to get over. Once you've gotten a few clients, once you get really, really good at marketing, you pretty much don't have to do it anymore because people will refer you at that point. So it's one of those, you know, catch 22s. So that's on the business side. On the mom side, I think definitely, and this is with any business, this is not virtual assistant specific, but mom guilt. I think just Mm. the family life balance of it all is difficult. And each of our own personal journeys to navigate through. Something that's really helped me is to make sure I have, you know, in every season, because again, there's been the different seasons of working with my kids. I have found that I'm the most satisfied when I can be devoted and not distracted. And that's Mm -hmm. with my business and with my kids. So when I'm working on my work, it's devoted, not distracted time because you're not going to do quality work when there's, you know, someone tugging at your shirt asking for apple juice, like it just (laughs) quality work. But at the same time, when I'm with my kids and, you know, we're all sitting down together and they're playing a game and I'm kind of like on my phone answering client emails, I'm not really giving my best to my kids. And I feel when I don't give devoted time to my business and devoted time to my kids, I feel pulled. And that's when the mom guilt comes in. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 50 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters, and they're specifically designed to combat 
chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS. S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S. AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. But when I have... Right. These are the times that I work on my business. These are the times that I'm really 100% focused on my kids. It just makes me feel better all around. And that's one of the ways that I've, you know, been able to find a work past some of that mom guilt. And I think another thought that just came to mind is, you know, women in general tend to be people pleasers. And so, you know, if you enter into a contract with someone where you're going to be doing X amount of hours of work for them each week, and it's probably easy and tempting to want to meet everyone's needs really quickly. And I'm curious your take on letting your clients know your boundaries up front and like, how do you train your clients on how to work with you? I think this is a really, really important thing so that, you know, I think we think of our kids being in school from like nine to three, for example, and you think, well, what if someone needs something at five? Well, if you've set up a precedence that like, these are my quote unquote business hours, then your client isn't going to expect anything from you at five. Exactly. And, you know, so what I usually recommend is that, especially if this is just like they're giving you ongoing tasks, definitely have set hours if you can. And I know some people don't, they just can't. Like if they don't have a way to send somebody to daycare and they have their kid at home with them and they're like, sometimes my kid's nap is at two and sometimes it's at three. You don't necessarily have to have specific hours, but you still can have specific boundaries and ways to set up your clients for success. So what I normally try to do is any tasks that my client wants done for the week, I ask them and, you know, 
you can do your preference, but either like by end of day Friday, or I usually say, you know, sometime on Monday, I like to have a one-on-one meeting with them if possible, or you can send them like a form that's, you know, lists out the tasks that you want for me to do this week. By training them to, you know, send you that stuff ahead of time, like this is the way I operate, by doing that, it's actually going to help them. I mean, a lot of times, you know, now as somebody who has hired other people, now I have people working for me, I know that it is so much better for me and so much better for the people that work for me if I get them stuff early, if it's not last minute, like, oh, you know, so whenever I, at the beginning of the week, we have a meeting and we go through, hey, here's what we're all going to get done this week. And we set those expectations very early. So throughout the week, I can just check in and be like, hey, how's this project going? Or they can report back to me and say, hey, want to let you know I finished this. But we just set that up every single Monday. We set goals. And then the next Monday, hey, how did those goals go? What are our goals for the coming week? And that's the way we operate. And it works really well. Really, really encourage people to do a rush fee. So Uh, rush. Yes. So if a client asks you to do something with a less than 24 hour turnaround that you will charge them and you have to uphold that. So it can be, you know, an extra 10%, 20%, an extra $10 an hour, however you want to want to work it out. But I had to enforce that quite a few times when I was working with multiple clients, Mm -hmm. just because there has to be a way to prioritize things. And you're going to reward the people that are getting you the stuff early and not saying, oh, this last minute things. And for a lot of times, you know, they'd say, I'm so sorry, can you get this done? You know, by tomorrow morning, I'd say, hey, it is going to be that rush fee. And because I knew I was getting paid an extra $20, $30 on top of my normal rate, I didn't mind staying up extra late that evening. So I think it's really just drawing your boundaries, communicating those ahead of time, and just trying to set up some systems so that your clients really get you the work early. Yeah, I love the rush fee. And I want to say that another piece of that is the level of professionalism in which you hold yourself to your clients will see that and treat you accordingly. And so if you let them walk all over you, they will, and they will not treat you well. And I saw this as a personal trainer. I hated holding people to my cancellation policy. And I felt really uncomfortable if someone canceled in a really short window of time. I only had a 12 hour policy. So if someone canceled, like most people have a 24 hour policy, but I only had a 12 hour policy. And then I couldn't even enforce that. And what I saw (laughs) happening is that people would just walk all over me if I didn't enforce it one time. But the people that I enforced it on from the very get go, when I got a little more seasoned in that career, they were like super respectful of my boundaries. And they would also if they canceled and like, let's say they canceled three hours before their session, they would text me or call me and be like, Hey, so I can't make it but go ahead and charge me like it was just assumed and it was so easy. And then they saw me as a professional versus like, this like, girl doing this cute thing. And I think that with a VA can be like if you hold yourself to a certain professional standard, it's going to be perceived a certain way versus like this mom who's just doing this part-time thing from home. Like you have to really embrace it as like, I'm a CEO of my own VA company. I might also be the only employee, but that's fine. And yeah. And this is how I'm stepping into that role. And these are the rules. And if you don't want to play by that game, that's fine. But also then now you've shown me that you're going to be a problem client and I don't have time for that because I'm only making space for clients who are going to respect boundaries and, you know, create a healthy working environment for me. Exactly. The people that are, you know, messaging you constantly and wanting the quick turnarounds and all that, 
you'll really quickly find out that you're not going to work with those <laughs> people. Never worth it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I remember my husband, he had his own graphic design business for years. And I remember him finally implementing some rush fee stuff. And the first couple of times he, and this is like for companies like T-Mobile and Microsoft and he had smaller gigs as well, but there was times when he would implement a rush fee and for a big company like Microsoft T-Mobile, what it wasn't a big deal, but for like a smaller mid-sized company, when he was just dealing with like one person and it was their own money or that it felt a little more personal, he was so uncomfortable implementing it. And people would call him on like Saturday morning at 8am with like a website question. And it got so ugly. And I remember when he finally started implementing the rush fee really consistently, it was such a big win for him because he felt like he just had so much more power. And he was like, cool, like if you want to pay me weekend rates, no problem. I am happy to take time off on a Saturday if I'm going to make you, like you said, like, you know, basically time and a half or whatever. No problem. But otherwise, absolutely not. <laughs> I think the key is enforcing it right away because, yeah. you know, I have several people that they're like, well, you know, my kids go to school full time now and I have one client. So I literally can do it in the next hour. It's like, that's okay. You can still do it in the next hour, but still implement the rush fee just because it has to be done right away. And like you said, because I've had this happen to so many people, they're like, well, I'll let it slide. It's no big deal. You know, I can do it. And then they get so many clients and then they have to start enforcing and it's so much harder to backtrack. And you have to retrain everyone. Then the client feels like put out and you're like, but this is a policy I've always had. And right. like, so then it makes you look like the bad guy almost because you weren't enforcing it before. It's like at daycare, they make us like, we have these little tags that we have to show to get in the door. And then we have to show to the classroom. Well, they've never made us show in the classroom ever. And we know it's their policy, right. but you know, the teachers just see us and they're like, Oh, Hey, Abby, here's your kids. You know, my kid's running at the door, right. hugging me. And this one teacher started making us show the name tag, like <laughs> writing it down, and it drove it's us crazy. so annoyed. <laughs> I'm like, oh, she's the worst teacher. She's so annoying. Simply because she's enforcing the policy right. they've always had. Right, right. <laughs> like, oh, that's such so. a great example. <laughs> I love it. So let's talk about mom guilt a little bit. Do you have it? How do you manage it? We've touched on it a little bit in terms of like childcare and those kinds of things, but what else? Yeah. I mean, I feel like this has been one of my biggest journeys, one of my biggest struggles, but something that I feel like, I feel like I've given myself permission, especially this past year of craziness in our lives to own up to who I am, to, you know, what's happening in my kid's life. I think I've gone really far. I think I'm healthier in this way than I probably have ever been right now. Haven't always been this way, but I do think that again, drawing those boundaries has been the biggest thing for me. You know, even just having somebody else take care of my kid in the beginning, like I just felt like it should be me. Like I should be the one taking care of my kid. And I remember, I don't even remember who told me this, but a friend of mine talking about, you know, why is it so bad for my kids to have other people in their life who love them and care about them? And like, why do I feel like I'm the only person that can give them that, you know, like for them to have other meaningful relationships in their lives for them to have teachers or daycare workers or grandma or whoever, you know, that loves them and who they respect. It's not going to take away anything from me. And so I think that's been a journey, but I feel at a really good place with that right now. I think that's such a valuable perspective. And I think about my son's relationship with his teachers at school, 
that I know he will remember fondly for many, many years, and also the relationships that he built there. And it's been interesting as he's transitioned from preschool into kindergarten. He was in preschool with the same kids for four years. And oh my gosh, those bonds, like we run into some of his preschool friends sometimes at the grocery store. And it is like, I mean, they tackle each other and they're like rolling on the floor hugging. They're so excited to see each other. And I think that like, I struggled so much with this decision to put him into childcare and feeling so awful. And he had a really hard transition of crying for weeks. I mean, the tears were just relentless in the beginning. And I was like, I'm damaging him for life. Like something will be wrong with him forever because I'm doing this. And now I look at these friendships that he made and the value of that at such a young age. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like the best thing ever. I 100% agree. We had the same experience. (laughs) I almost pulled Vinny out. I was like, this is too traumatic. (laughs) They would cry, but it's going to be okay. And then I'd go out to the car and then I would cry. Yes. So we lived across the street from the preschool and I could hear him screaming from my office. (laughs) It was horrible. But now it's like a joke in the whole school because everyone knew where we lived and this went on. I mean, it didn't go on for four years, but it did go on, on and off for two years. And by the time you left last year, it was this joke of like, Vinny, do you remember when you used to stand at the fence and point at your house with your binky hanging out of your mouth, screaming for your mom? And he was like, yeah, I used to be so sad. And then I made friends. (laughs) So it's pretty Yeah. I mean, now my kids, like this morning, we're getting them ready. And they always say, where are we going today? Because even on the week, we're like always on the go. Like we're always doing something. So where are we going today? We're going to school today. We call daycare school. Uh, We're going to school today. Yay, I love school. I'm like, oh, that makes my heart so happy. But it did not start out that way. Right, right. Totally. (laughs) Totally. Oh, this has been so good. Okay, so I would like you to tell us, and I mean, we kind of just talked about this, but anything else you'd like to add in what ways you are a shameless mom? Mm, well, I think that basically everything that we talked about for sure, yeah. you know, I realized that for me to be the best mom, I need to be happy too. And I yeah. think that us finding something outside of being a mom, and that doesn't have to be a business, it can be a craft of me going out with friends, it could be, you know, studying something or just having like your coffee in the morning, whatever it is, right. but something that is you like, who are you without your kids and keeping a hold of that? Because, you know, we obviously we love being moms. I love that role, but being really, really confident in this is who I am outside of being a mom and holding on to that still, I think has definitely made me a shameless mom. I love that so much. I think that's so important that we have that identity outside of motherhood. Oh, this has been so good, Abby. I really appreciate you being here. And I'm really excited to share this episode so that I know there's other people in my community who are very curious about this whole VA world. So do tell us where can people connect with you and learn more from you, especially if they're interested in getting involved in VA work? Definitely. So my business, again, is The Virtual Savvy, S-A-V-V-Y, The Virtual Savvy. And I have a ton of free resources on the site. You can go to thevirtualsavvy.com slash checklist. And that checklist is basically when we talk about like, what are all the crossing the T's and dotting the I's? It's literally a step-by-step list of everything you need to do to start a virtual business. So it's really, really helpful for anybody who wants to take that next step. Ooh, I love it. Perfect. Okay. So I will link to that in the show notes, I'll link to everything over at shamelessmom.com. So people can follow up with you there and see what you have to offer and in the ways that you support other moms doing this. And also we'll definitely link to the Facebook group as well. So people can join your club of 26,000 people. Perfect. <laughs> Yay. The fun- 
<laughs> okay, this has been so great. Abby, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Mamas, before you move on with your day, if you have been thinking about joining me at Shameless MomCon for any reason, I want you to go check out our invitation page and see if this might be the right thing for you right now. So go over to shamelessmom.com forward slash momcon 2019 to see my personal invitation to you. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.